Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Imagine it's 800 AD and you are a woman and you have to go on a trip for some, something happened in your world where you have to travel across the land. You're somewhere in the kind of Europe, Middle East area and all you have is a cloak. It's a dangerous trip. You can, you can picture the woman walking day after day and every day you're scanning for one thing on the horizon, maybe danger. But the one thing you're actually looking for is a church. You're looking for a little steeple, a little tiny chapel church, or you're looking for a large church in a town, or you're looking for a monastery, which is like it's got walls and it's like a little town in itself. You're searching for a church because you know that a church will take you in and they'll keep you safe, they'll feed you, they'll give you somewhere to sleep, and they'll bless you as you go into the next part of your journey. Or imagine you're in 300 AD, in Caesarea, which is like on the Mediterranean coast. And you live on your own, and you've become sick. You've got pneumonia or something like that. You know that this is kind of a death nail for you. And the way that things would work that, in that time is that uh, if you didn't have a family, you didn't have anyone to look after you, so you knew that it was the end for you. But there was a group of people in your city, a group of Christians uh, led by a guy called Basil, who started what historians say is the, first church, is the first hospital. And you can go up to this place and they welcome you in, even though that you're not family. They look after you and you live. Or imagine it's 200 AD and you're pregnant and you have a little baby girl, but you come from a poor family. And you have to make the hardest choice in your life because you know that your family can't feed another mouth. And so you go one one morning early to the town square and you put your baby girl out and you leave her to be weathered the hardest thing you've ever done and you're walking away and you turn around one last look in the distance down the hill and you see a group of women who you recognize from a christian sect they're christians and they take your baby girl and they take her into her their homes they raise her they feed her as their own there's space for your baby girl or imagine it's 70 AD and you're a slave in Rome. You work in the mines, kind of far away from, you know, the philosophers and the architecture. You're, you're doing hard work day in and day out. And a friend of yours, another slave, starts telling you about this group of people that follow this man called Jesus, which they believe rose from the dead, you know, a couple of decades earlier. And over a couple of months, you begin to be really interested in this, in this Jesus, this person. And so he invites you after a long time talking to you to a gathering that they would have every Sunday. He says, come, we have this thing called the love feast, which sounds like 1960s, 1970s kind of, who knows what goes on there, but it didn't have that connotation, a love feast. And so you're like, okay, cool. And he takes you there, you're walking, and you end up in the top end of town, all these beautiful houses, these large houses you've never been inside, and you walk inside, and it's a courtyard. 
and you see 40 or 50 or 60 other people, and it's the strangest mix of people you've ever seen. It's kind of a few patriarchs and their families, but it's a lot of slaves, and it's women, and it's children, and it's Jews and Gentiles, and they have more food than you've ever seen, and there is a space set up at the table for you. You see, all through history, you can find story after story of Christians doing radical, crazy acts of hospitality. They've been putting an extra place at the table, making an extra bed, created structures like hospitals and schools and orphanages. But why? All through history, you can trace this all back to Christians. We've been looking at a series called Practicing. We believe that our faith actually can find itself lived out in our calendars, in our time, in the way that we spend our weeks, in the way that we use our money. And that Jesus' words are meant to be put into practice. And the way that we do that is we create space, practices, for the Holy Spirit to come and change us, to open ourselves up to the work of the Spirit. There's a whole bunch of practices. There's six that we sort of call people back to. Prayer, Scripture, Sabbath, hospitality is what we're looking at today, serving, and generosity. And there's this ancient practice of hospitality. And in the series opener of this series, I talked about upstream practices and downstream practices. And due to your personality, the way you've grown up, maybe your church background or not church background, um, will make some of these practices easier for you. They're downstream. It feels like you're sort of floating down a river, like you just, you, it just comes more natural to you. And there are others of these practices that it feels like you're, you're swimming up a river. For me, hospitality is one of those upstream practices. Maybe because I'm, I'm, you know, an introvert or have a young family or don't have a house right now. All good excuses. But it's not a good excuse to put away the practice of hospitality. This is been and has been and will continue to be a key Christian practice all through the last 2,000 years and will continue to be into the future. You can trace all these radical acts of hospitality back to the first century, a man, Jesus of Nazareth, who embodied hospitality like no one else in history. Everywhere he, he went, he created space for others. He didn't own a house, he didn't have a lot of money, yet he consistently created space for the other, consistently welcomed people in. He found himself at dinner parties all the time where he actually took on the role of the host and he would continue to invite all these people that like were on the fringe of society that would never get invited in, never have a space at the table. He invited them in time and time again. He would make room for the last, the least, and the lost. And ultimately that picture of the open arms of Jesus on the cross, a welcoming stance. He told this story in Luke chapter 14. It's going to be on the screen if you want to read it with me. Verse 15. Hearing this man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. It's a good excuse, right? 
(laughs) The servant returned and told his master what they said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. This is a radical story. All the people Jesus originally invited, all the, all the people that the master originally invited to this epic banquet, they are too busy. And so he says, go out into the lanes that behind the hedges, bring the poor, the lame, everyone who wouldn't ever get an invite into the banquet, bring them in. Um, this act of hospitality became so central to the church. In Titus, uh, there is a list of sort of um, responsibilities of an elder, list of requirements for who can be a leader, a pastor in a church. It's things like, you know, not being drunk, raising your family well. One of the things is that an elder, a leader, has to be hospitable. It's like one of the requirements. This became such a core issue to the church. Hospitality is the act of creating space for the other, the act of creating space for the other. And that is at the very heart of the gospel. And that's why it became such a core practice to the Christians, because it was welcoming in the other people, the people that didn't have space, the people that were far out, the lost, the last, the least, into family, into a place at the table, into a bed in your home. And um, Peter Scazzaro, who uh, wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he has this thing called the five levels of transformation. And he talks about any time there is something that you want to put into practice, an idea, a belief, one of these six practices, it has to go through these five levels in order to become integrated into who you are. And so, you, you know, as we've been talking about these practices, you might find some of them are, are downstream and easy for you. They've already become prioritized and integrated into your life. You'll find that others are upstream and harder for you. And uh, I, I just want to... So, Five levels. So any, anything, so you take the idea of hospitality or Sabbath, the first part, in order to get it integrated into your life, the first part is to become aware of it, to sort of know that it's an idea, right? I, for the practice of Sabbath, I didn't become aware that Protestants practice Sabbath at all until I was in my 20s. And so there was just no awareness there. I thought it was a Jewish thing, and it was done with the old law. Then the next step is to ponder, to think about it, to go, oh, well, what would that mean? What would Sabbath mean? What would hospitality mean in my life? What would a prayer life look for me? And then you've got to get to the third level, which is to value it, to go, actually, this is something important. Hospitality is actually a core tenet of Christianity. This is probably where I sit at the moment, actually. And you'll notice there between value and prioritize, there's a a big gap because that's the hardest thing to jump. And you'll find there's a lot of things in the Christian faith that you value, that you say that you believe, that you say that you want to do, but getting it into your calendar, into your bank account, into the way you spend your energy and your time is actually a big jump. Have you ever noticed that? And so the way to, do, to jump the gap is actually to do something about it, put something into practice, put, it, put a, an event in your calendar, go and speak to someone, do something about it. And then when you begin to prioritize something, it goes into your calendar, it goes into your bank account, then it becomes to be 
integrated into who you are. It becomes part of who you are. And any of these practices, we have to go through all five of these levels of transformation in order for them to become part of what we do and who we are. So I don't know where you sit with the act of hospitality, the act of creating space for others. And we have a whole range of ways to be hospitable. Collectively, you know, we have dinner parties, which is uh, a, a weekly fortnightly meal with other people around the table. It's a very hospitable act. This physical space that we've created over the last couple of years is an act of hospitality for our community. Sunday gatherings open to anyone. Anyone can ever come in. We want to continue to create this space, this physical space, as an act of hospitality for those who need space. The community garden you see is taking shape out the front. And uh, we've been sort of, Carmen's been working on that. We've had a whole bunch of people coming in that will continue to transform, which is awesome. But an act of hospitality, anyone can come and take food when they need. One of the things I've loved over the last, you know, six or 12 months is there's been a bunch of people that have come across like sort of my purview that are needing somewhere to stay. And I'll put it out on the Facebook group. And I'm just always amazed at how many people message me and say, hey, we've got a spare room. Let's, let's explore what this looks like. Like, I'll, if I put something out, I'll, like, always get three or four or five people say, I've got space, which I love that about our church. Um, care team. Is Kayla here? Kayla, Kayla leads our care team, which is an awesome team, a bunch of people that continue to drop meals off at people's homes that need it, you know, who are in time of need. Um, gift cards. We did a gift card drive through Advent. They're all gone, by the way. We're going to have to do another one. But I have the privilege often of, you know, people coming into the clam and they just need a little bit of extra help. And to give them a card, give them, a, you know, 50 or $100 to go buy some groceries is awesome. There was a couple of weeks ago where a woman came in with her son, sort of two or three years old. And she came in and um, we were able to give her a card. And we're in there and she asked, could you, could you pray for me? And so, yeah, I was like, of course, I'll pray for you. And so I was praying for her. And um, we are praying, I don't know, a couple of minutes. And I looked down and Ellie, I don't know if Ellie's here. She wouldn't like me talking about this. But Ellie was sitting down with the little two-year-old. They just walked in off the street. And just playing trucks with this little boy. I just love that. Like, what a picture of creating space for people. I love that our church is hospitable. We've got Alpha coming up. That is an act of hospitality. It'll be around a meal, space for people to come and ask questions, explore the big questions of life. We do that collectively, but we need to do it individually as well. I wonder what it looks like for you to live a life of hospitality, to use your home as a weapon for the gospel, use your home as a kingdom outpost. Invite people into your life. What does it mean to maybe if you're a family to invite someone who's single into your world a little bit more, that they can be part of something, to invite those who maybe don't have family around? Maybe you could consider creating an extra space in your, fam- in your, in your home to house people from time to time that are in need. Maybe you could consider adopting or fostering. Maybe it's, you know, it's not just about your house as well. You don't need to have a house to be hospitable. Jesus didn't have a house. Maybe it's inviting someone out to lunch after church or inviting someone to that movie. You know, there's some, someone that like wouldn't normally get invited with your group of friends. You know, an invitation to anything is an act of hospitality. You, you're saying, I'm creating space for you. There's a space for you here at this table. So an invitation to church, an invitation to Alpha is an act of hospitality, whether they take it up or not, to say there is actually space for you here. 
I wonder who in your world needs space. Who in your world needs an invitation. And I would actually love just to take a few moments now of just silence and, re- and reflection just to ask Jesus, ask God, is there a couple of names that you're bringing to mind of people that might need space? There are lonely people in our world. There are people that are lost and struggling and doing it really tough. And probably you would never know because they're putting on a brave face. We know that loneliness is the biggest epidemic our culture is facing. We're more connected than ever, yet we are so, feel so isolated and lonely. So I would love for you to just take, take your phone out, take a notebook out or something. I just think about, just ask Jesus to speak. And I just want to write down the first three names that come to your mind. Is that cool? Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would prompt us right now. You would just bring a couple of names to mind. Maybe we'd be non-judgmental about those names. May we write them down. We pray that you would speak. When you've got the three names, I just want to take a little bit of time just to think about in what ways does this person need some space? Maybe it's just a text. Maybe it's a meal at their doorstep. Maybe it's inviting them over for dinner. Maybe it's an invite to church or to a movie or to Alpha. Hospitality is a reenactment of the gospel. We can create space for others because Jesus has created space for you. We can set an extra place at the table because Jesus has welcomed you to his table. He set out a place for you. So we're going to take communion, which again is a reminder of the hospitality of Jesus, that by his body broken by his blood poured out we have been welcomed into the family of God welcomed into the story of God so in a moment the band can come up and um, we're going to be administering communion which is not what we normally do but as you come and receive there'll be gluten free on this side gluten on this side um And we're going to say this to you, by his blood and by his body, Jesus has welcomed you. There'll be a a receiving of that welcoming. And once we know that we've been welcomed by Jesus, we are free to welcome others. Is that cool? Jesus, I thank you so much for your hospitality. You have changed and shaped the world. Your followers continue to change and shape the world by radical acts of inclusion and hospitality. And just we thank you so much that your life and your death and your resurrection and your ascension has created a space for us at the table. 
May we be people who receive that this morning, that know that we have a place, that we've been welcomed in. Jesus, we thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you continue to do to create space for us. May we be people who create space for others. Thank you.